Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Cambridge and Heritage Financial are not affiliated. Welcome back to Making Money Fun. I am Shanna Tingham, and I am super excited to have one of my very best friends in the whole world with us here today, Jean Pomeroy. Jean, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. This is fun. (laughs) It is so much fun. We don't usually get to do professional stuff like this together. So we're going to have to be really careful. We don't let like a, you know, a nice four letter word fly. I'm sure John could edit it out if we did. (laughs) (laughs) we'll be on our best behavior best behavior is right and boy I tell you what with the real estate market being what it is today you've got to be on your best behavior and that is your expertise correct correct that's what I've been doing for the last I'm going on uh, 24 years now wow so I've seen all kinds of markets and uh, this one's definitely an interesting one wow well I remember the very first house I bought in Phoenix you helped me with yes in November of 2004 some people know this that are clients of mine because I've told this story a number of times but I moved into my very first house in Gilbert at Valvista in Guadalupe that Jean helped me purchase sight unseen. I did not see it until after the closing, after it had been decorated and I was moving into the house. And the reason that I did not see it is because I was buying a house in a market very similar to the market today. That's correct. And I see a lot of people doing that now. You have to move quickly. If you are fortunate and you are able to outbid other people, have a good strategy to be able to obtain the house. Sometimes there isn't the opportunity to see it. Um, But in this day and age, as was different in 2004, is that I'm able to do a FaceTime walkthrough with my clients. So they really feel like they've seen it even if they haven't been in physically in the house prior to purchasing. Well, I think that's huge because I remember when we were doing this, we were doing it via FedEx and fax mm-hmm. and pictures. And today we've got, you know, DocuSign and FaceTime and all kinds of stuff that I didn't even have access to back then. So you're really able to kind of walk through not only with them, but maybe with their inspector and, and the appraiser and those types of things, right? Absolutely. Back then, you were probably contacting me through my pager. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh (laughs) We can do all of that remotely now. And because Arizona is so transient, we have so many people that purchase from out of state or out of the country that it's not an unusual thing in any market. But now that we have all this technology, even for the inspection, I will often be the one that's the only person there with the inspector and then put my clients on a FaceTime call so that they're feeling like they're sitting at the table with us and walking through the house with us. And uh, most of our transactions now are done through DocuSign. The signing is not done at the title companies now because of COVID. So everything is done with a notary. It is very easy to do a transaction where I'm not in the same room with my clients. Wow. And has that changed drastically since the beginning of last year when COVID hit? Or was a lot of this already kind of in place and moving in that direction? You know, a lot of this was in place. And again, because we deal with so many out-of-state and out-of-country buyers that we were doing this before. But locally, certainly sitting at the title company was something that we did every single time 
where the title companies shut down, uh, some of them are opening back up. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's the opportunity for you. Hey, you have a busy life. Maybe you're you're working from home anyway, and it's easier to have the notary come while you're at lunch sitting at your kitchen table. Yeah. So it's become a matter of convenience as well. Wow, that's a really great point. And so talk to us a little bit. I hear from my clients a lot that they're terrified that what happened in 2008 is a few years away from happening again because of the craziness that we're seeing in the market today. Talk to us a little bit about if they're right or wrong and why. I am going to save them quite a bit of money in therapy because they're wrong. (laughs) So that is not even close to what's happening now. What happened in that time period was caused by the real estate market. Mm. It was caused by predatory lending. Remember the old Nina and Cisa loans, the stated incomes, just tell us what you make. We're not actually going to look and tell us what you have in the bank or the Nina loans, which were no income, no assets. So we don't care if you have any money. You fog in a mirror, you got a loan. Right. That's what caused the problem in the market and a lot of other things. What is that movie? I can't even think of the name of the movie. The Big Short. The Big Short. If you haven't seen The Big Short, go see The Big Short and you won't have any problem distinguishing this market (laughs) from that market. Completely different. The real estate industry and some bad people created the bubble that we had then. And that was nothing like what we have now. It's important to understand that prior to COVID, we had a very strong market. We were going into COVID with a strong market and with a lower inventory to begin with Mm. because of it being such a strong market. Then when COVID hit, people got nervous about having people in their house, so they stopped putting their house on the market. Mm. At the same time, interest rates went down. Mm. We needed to boost the economy, so the interest rates went down, and that stimulated buyers coming out into the market. So once we got past the shutdown, Once we got into April, May of last year, people felt comfortable to at least go look. Mm -hmm. And uh, not enough people felt comfortable put their house on the market. So we had this massive inventory shortage. And that started to domino. Wow. So that continued for a period of time until the point where maybe let's call it September of last year, where people were like, well, you know what? Prices are going up because there's this inventory shortage. And we really, now we're working from home. We don't have an extra den. We don't have that extra bedroom. And next year, I've got a kid that's going to be driving. So we really could use that third car garage. And we've always wanted the pool. Maybe now is the time to do it. Wow. But the sellers were unwilling to give that a shot Mm. because they were so concerned they couldn't find something to buy themselves. Wow. And that's what's perpetuated this. And there's a lot more I can talk to about that. But that's what started the ball rolling to get to where we are today. That's a really great history because I think that while there are some parallels, Truly what we're seeing in almost every market, and I know you can speak specifically to the Phoenix metro area, but I've heard from friends and colleagues in every other market from, you know, Portland to Texas to Florida, that it truly is there are far more buyers than there are sellers. And even builders are sort of putting a halt to building, mainly because the costs have gone up so dramatically for the raw materials. Is that sort of creating some backlog as well? It is, but in a different way. They're definitely not not building. The problem that they have is finding workers, number one. Mm. But what they started to do 
is they had so many people. If there's a shortage of inventory in the resale market, there's a shortage of inventory in the new home sales. So they started to go back to the practices that we saw before where you'd have to get into a lottery to be able to get a lot. So be it. That happens sometimes. Mm -hmm. Then what was happening is that they would secure a buyer for a lot, start building the house, and the price of lumber has gone up so significantly that when it got close to the end, the house was worth way more than when they started. Yeah. So what some of the builders started to do was send out letters, and I won't name names, <laughs> but one of the biggest builders in the Valley sent out letters and said, look, we're having a real trouble getting supplies. Yeah. This is taking so much longer than we thought. We've never done this before, but you know what we're going to do? We're going to graciously let you get out of your contract. <laughs> we wouldn't want to hold you to this. And of course, that was all for that was all being altruistic, right? It wasn't at all for their benefit. Not a, why would a builder do anything <laughs> for their own benefit? The contract isn't completely one-sided to begin uh, with. Of course. Uh, yeah. And then with the hope that the person would cancel so that they could put it back out to somebody else at a much higher price. When they finally figured out that this was going to be the case, they all started to make a change. Mm. And the changes there are now, there are escalation clauses for new builds. Wow. So when you sign the contract, you're signing that, yes, I'm purchasing at this price today. But the builder has the opportunity to increase the price at the end up to 10% more than I'm paying. Jeez. So if you're talking a half a million dollar house, that could add 50 grand to your sales price just for no good reason. Absolutely. And that is only if you get past two other things that most builders are doing. First, you have to get on a wait list. Right to get to the lottery. <laughs> then you have to get picked in the lottery to write a contract that could go up 10%. Wow, that's crazy. It is. And the only way that that's going to change on the new build side is that the housing starts are starting to increase. So these are permits that are being put out for new houses. And some builders are starting to purchase raw land. Mm. Raw land takes at least a year to be able to be developed to get all the utilities and water and things in. So the new home builds aren't going to have an increase in inventory for a while uh, as much as they're trying because of all those things that are thwarting that effort. Yeah. And in the Phoenix area, I might be wrong, but my sense is that most of the new build communities in our area aren't the first time homebuyer communities. They're more move up communities. Am I right there? I'll say yes in the respect that if it's further in town, okay. if you are close to a freeway, if you're closer to downtown to the airports, those type of things, that's definitely the case. As you get further out, it depends. You know, there are areas in Pinal County, especially uh, Santan Valley, parts of Queen Creek, go the a little bit further west, Maricopa. Those are areas where you could still get into something around the 350 to 400 range, which unfortunately is first time home buyers at this time. Yeah, for real. Or you're renting, and that's all that there is to it. Wow. So the reason why I brought that up is I suspect if you're going to go into a lottery for a lot, they're not going to accept a, a contingency for financing or to sell their current homes. So you're going in hoping that you can sell and the timing will work out and all of those things, knowing full well that if you back out, they can resell it to somebody six months from now for more money. Absolutely. The financing, they still will give you some contingency on. That's good. Because again, they feel like if you fall out, it's to their benefit. Uh, so they're not as bad about that. But being able to sell your house first, that's not going to be a contingency. So in this market, since there is such short supply, selling your house is not that difficult at this time. Depending on when the house is going to be done, 
you might have to have some interim housing. Right. And that's the way it is for a lot of people right now. If you can afford to purchase first, right. you really have an upper hand in this market because then you can secure your home depending on how long it takes you to find it. And then you know that when you put yours up on the market, it's going to sell quickly. Wow, that is um, crazy. So all kinds of terminology that we've thrown at you, escalation clauses, contingencies. Oh my, oh my, oh my. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and what I really want to talk about during our next podcast, Jean, is how to position yourself as a buyer in this market using some of that terminology and really understanding it in the best way and, you know, how to position yourself to be able to put your offer at the top of the stack if that's what um, you're trying to do to secure your next home. Does that sound okay? That would be fine because that's a big important part of being (laughs) able to have a successful transaction right now. Jean, why don't you share with us how folks can find you if they want more information about how you can help? My name is Jean Pomeroy. I'm with Realty One Group and my phone number is 602-741- 3897, or you can find me on the web at azrealtymatch.com. Awesome. Wonderful. Thank you again. And to find Heritage Financial Strategies, go to heritagefinancialaz.com and click schedule consultation in the top right corner and we can help you out as well. Again, Jean, thanks for being with us today. My pleasure. Thank you. This has been Making Money Fun with Shanna Tingham. 